0: Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Chapter four. Feels like we're a lot further than this. So far, the consensus has been that everybody hates this fucking book. I mean, everybody. I wonder if an author writes a book and then they look back and they realize they fucking hate the book, too. Like, it becomes a hate-write sort of thing. It can't be, though, because she wrote like six of these, and no, I'm not going on after the first one. So y'all can eat my ass. Unless something spectacular happens that isn't based off of sexual assault, mm, I'm good. I'm not stepping back into this quagmire. Anyways, chapter four. Ethic hated when the streets baited him. Losing control and allowing the gang to lure him back was a weakness. As he drove through the city, pushing the horses under the hood of his foreign cars to the max, he knew that the devil inside of him had been awakened. Told you so. There were just certain people in his life that were off limits. Morgan was one of them. The fact that someone had hurt her had him in a blind fury, and he couldn't get to his destination fast enough. He appreciated Messiah's effort, but ethic would put in this work himself. He battled between his humanity and his ruthlessness daily, trying as hard as to keep himself from reigning over the city with an iron fist. He had learned the art of humility, had developed an appreciation for the simple life, but he had never lost touch with the streets. He had been raised in them, rooted in them, And a man always knew how to tap into the roots of his soul. Ethic was a gangster. And not in the corny way the men claim to be. He was effortlessly deadly, callously calculating, and unforgivably deceptive. Fuck you! Like, what? I can't believe I said nice things about her writing last chapter. Like, are you serious? He was effortlessly deadly, callously calculating, and unforgivingly deceptive. You know why I like my food? Because it's daringly delicious. Superbly succulent. And craftily created. Like... Get the fuck out of here. I don't need hyperbole for this nigga. He is who he is. You don't have to put two on the ten on him. And also, good job on taking Messiah out of the picture as far as getting to kill his rival. All of a sudden, it's just going to fall into ethics hands. So that means the shit's going to fail because Messiah's got to see Lucas later. There's no way that this can't play out that way. But then again this is the book of a writer who literally made a time paradox that I still can't fucking deal with. So here we are. He played the good guy well because he desperately wanted to be a man of character, a man that his children could be proud of and a man that a woman could love except for that one hoe who keeps trying to love him that he keeps saying, I just want your mouth. But other women that are, that, that are already dead. But there's somebody out there for him. He's like Heavy D. He wants somebody to love him. I mean, but she loves him for him. And he's like, fuck you. So, mm. But when he had to, he tapped into the darkest parts of him. Only when he must. Often when he was pushed. Always for the ones he loved. He was the king of the city, and because he had been on a soul-searching journey, his discreetness had been mistaken for weakness. I'm not even going to stop to make fun of this shit, because otherwise I'd be here forever. He was about to light the entire fucking city up. Lucas had trespassed, and the thought of the young hustler violating Morgan, comma, for no reason, and the thought of the young hustler violating Morgan, was enough to make him move without apology. It was enough to make him call Lillian for overtime to watch Bella and Easy while he handled the disrespect. Lucas was a young hustler around the city. He was 25 and raking in a lot of cash on the city's south side. He was flashy, loud, a real-life character who was used to having his way. Where Messiah ran the north end of the city lucas was his adversary across town ain't that just convenient that one runs the south side and one runs the north side like why can't it be the one on runs the north side and the other nigga runs the northeast so they can actually bump heads at some point in time the two men just differed on principle alone but ethic had kept messiah on a leash each time lucas tried to bait messiah in a beef War is bad for business, Ethic had said. Now, he wished he'd give Messiah the green light to eliminate the threat. Thought Messiah didn't work for nobody. You making him out to sound like a goon for Ethic. Now, Lucas had crossed the line. There had to be consequence to that. Ethic hadn't felt this type of anger in years. The last time he had allowed himself to feel this much rage and act on it, it had ended tragically. His dear love, Raven, had lost her life. Also, I just want to make this simple and plain. We know that there's other books that this book is bait, is a spinoff of. And we know that they're going to keep trying to bait us in by talking about a lot of shit in the past. But I need y'all to know real clear. I don't give a fuck. I am not reading near one of the books that led up to this bullshit. I didn't want to step back into the world of the cartel. I didn't want to step back into the world of Ashley and Dequavis. I didn't want none of this shit. None of it. This is literally a gift to my beloved wife, Nisha, to whom all love is given. She asked for this shit. Some folks ask for diamonds, some folks ask for yachts, some folks ask for outlandish shit my wife just wants me to read a horrible book who the fuck am I to say no somebody smart that's that's the answer I, I love said. hearing your voice though you could have heard my voice while I read something else but thank you I love you too He had tried to control his ire by leaving the streets behind, but the worst parts of him were bubbling, threatening the surface. No, sir, that's diarrhea and vomit. And besides, I didn't read that right because there's a lot of commas. He had tried to control his ire by leaving the streets behind, but the worst parts of him were bubbling, threatening the surface. This was personal. Morgan was family to him. And knowing that she didn't possess the words to say no during Lucas's assault, had his temperature rising simultaneously with his speedometer. He already knew where to find Lucas. The dumb hustler was so flamboyant that he wanted the entire hood to see him shine. He lived on Circle Drive, one of the old neighborhoods in Flint that reflected a time when the city was booming from the automotive industry. Lucas wasn't smart enough to lay low while he got rich. There's a comma. Had to... He was dumb enough to let niggas know exactly where he rested his head. Now the ethic was ready to behead him. Watch this, babe. Now the ethic was ready to behead him. He knew exactly where to go. All commas, no breaks. That was the problem with young niggas these days. They didn't respect the rules. They moved incorrectly. Ethic pulled up on the darkened block and immediately knew that Messiah had arrived before him. Every street light had been broken out to avoid any neighbors witnessing the melee that the night would bring. Ethic's headlights illuminated through the back of an older model Chevy Tahoe. He knew it was stolen, and he knew Messiah and his goon lay in wait inside. He cut his lights and picked up his cell. Messiah answered on the first ring. Morgan called me. Send your people home and come hop in the pasture seat, Ethic said. Messiah didn't protest, and Ethic waited patiently as Messiah put the order down. He put it down, they fall in love. He put it down, they, they fall in love. I don't know the words to the song, y'all, but I'm pretty sure it goes something like this. If you want to and you got a problem, blah, 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 maybe we can fall in love. The blah, 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 blah part is very important. Y'all should hear her do it live in concert. Also, I didn't know it was Brandy until like two weeks ago, my wife told me. I just thought it was somebody trying to sound like Sierra. Moments later, the old truck started and the Messiah climbed out before it pulled away. Ethics' temple throbbed as Messiah got in. You're moving flawed, Ethics said. I respect the fact that you're moving at all, considering this isn't your beef. Messiah was more invested than Ethic could even imagine. He had no idea the murderous thoughts were erased through Messiah's mind. What I tell you, murder is something you do alone and only when completely necessary. Messiah interrupted, finishing his sentence. No offense, OG, but it's necessary. You didn't see her, Messiah said, his tone flat and serious. And Issa's my man. I trust him. You don't know who you can trust. You can't trust anybody when it comes to murder. The same nigga that help you put a body in the grave will be the same nigga pointing the finger at you in a court of law. Go home and make sure Morgan's good, ethics said. How, nigga? You just had his car drive away. Do you want him to stand in front of the house and wait for a lift, my nigga, while you go on there and murder somebody? Is he expecting an Uber? What if it's an Uber X or whatever the fuck it is where they got a carpool of people in there with them? Now they all saw the murder. Now you gotta kill an Uber driver. The Uber driver is gonna speed off. Now you gotta follow him. He's gonna stop at McDonald's cause he's also an Uber Eats driver. Now you're in the drive-through. Do you want fries? Cause it's soda are only good water hot. Now you gotta eat the fries instead of chasing the Uber driver. You follow the Uber driver once you get done eating the fries because you're able to track him based on Messiah's request. You follow him and it goes to Zaire's old house. You go on to Zaire's old house. You shoot him in the face and his girl because they killed Ace and his baby mama and you knew Ace righteously. Just let the nigga come with you. Also, if you're wondering what the fuck I was talking about and that you're new to the Ratchet Book Club, welcome. I appreciate you. It's a long ass story. It all has to do with the cartel. But trust me, when you go through that one, you're going to be like, oh, he said that shit. Ethic knew Messiah had plenty of bodies on him. The tattooed tear on the outer corner of his eye was a misprint. Ethic was sure he had sent more than one to their maker. He knew the burden the death put on a man's soul, however, and Ethic wouldn't allow Messiah to dive deeper into a pool of sin. Not on his behalf, not on my watch. No offense, big homie, but this ain't about you, Messiah said. Messiah had never feared anyone, not even Ethic, but he'll be remised if he didn't admit that it took every ounce of courage in him to admit that he was acting on Morgan's behalf. A man only went that far for a woman he had stake in. The flicker of recognition shun in Ethics' eyes. Now wasn't the time to address Messiah's vague admission. A man takes care of his woman. If this is about a woman, then a man will be at his side. If it's about you, then we can walk in there and handle it together and burn something. The type of man that I want my daughter to be with, and trust me, Morgan is like a daughter to me. That man will walk away and make sure she's good. A real man never puts himself in position to leave his woman. Murder is 25 years of life. Is this some street shit between you and him, or some kind of show of love for a woman? Because, if it's for love, you got it backwards. Love keeps you at her side, healing wounds. This shit here, it's all motivated by hate. This shit here removes you from a woman's life faster than a blink of an eye. One minute, you're here defending her honor, catching a body. The next, you're trapped behind steel bars watching her search for even half of you on the next nigga in line, Ethic said. His tongue was scolding and Messiah could hear the anger in his voice. He weighed the words on his soul. He desperately wanted to be the one to end Lucas, but he knew that Ethic was judging him in this moment. How Messiah moved would determine if Ethic would approve or disapprove of his feelings for Morgan. It'll reveal whether Messiah was the type of man a father would allow to date his princess, despite blood relation. Weren't you just saying she was like too young for you like two chapters ago? That was you wasn't it? He was in denial. That's a river in Africa. This nigga's 25 and she's 18. I realize y'all motherfuckers be like, man, my dad was 16 years older than my mom when they got married and when I was born. Okay, cool, 48 and 32. But that's how y'all want to look at it. Instead, look at it like this. 27 and 11, my nigga. Oh, my dad was 39 and my mom was 32 when I was born. Okay, cool. That's how you want to look at it. But look at it another way. 21 and 14, my nigga. Oh, I'm sorry. 25 and 18 is in seven years. Okay. You know what's going to happen? Here's what's going to happen. If my daughter was 18 and she was like, I want to fuck with a 25 year old man. Uh-huh. Every nigga that runs with my daughter or is in my family would be at that nigga's door. Like, what are you doing? Find somebody your own fucking age. Pitter-patter. Like, go get that done. So if I feel that way about my kid, why the fuck wouldn't I feel that way about this kid? I'm
1: not saying your feelings aren't valid. But he's not. She's technically an adult in the legal sense.
0: The legal sense is stupid, too. Because eighteen really doesn't give you access to shit, but the the opportunity to die in a war. I feel like they made eighteen a legal age for adults because of the draft. No, Honestly,
1: I, I think it technically should be twenty
0: one. I feel like it should be too because you can't gamble to your twenty one, you can't drink until you're twenty one, nigga. You can't even rent a a, a rental vehicle till you're twenty five. Really? Bella could not rent a, a rental when we were um. We were somewhere. No, we were talking about Florida. We were talking about taking a trip. And she was like, you're going to have to rent a car for me because I can't rent a vehicle until I'm 25. But you can be an adult at 18. That's some nasty ass shit. Whether it's because of, like I said, they needed kids to be able to get into the draft. And they needed kids straight out of high school to be able to jump into the military. I think that's what it is. Seriously. But yeah, nah. Don't, don't, don't. It's already a given. This nigga gonna fall in love and, ugh. He gonna put it down, she gonna fall in love. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Messiah blew out a sharp breath. And without saying another word, he pulled open the door, flipped the hood to his sweatshirt up, and headed in the opposite direction of Lucas's house. Because he's walking home. Ethic nodded, slightly proud that Messiah had the self-control to walk away, but more than a little irritated that the young gunner had his sights on Morgan. It was a conversation for a different day, but one that would be had. Ethic eyed the house. The glow from a television shone through the broken blinds in the front window. It was the only light coming from inside. He reached toward his touch screen and pressed a special sequence of buttons, causing the screen to lift and reveal the hidden compartment behind it. He pulled out a pair of leather gloves that lay inside and placed them over his hands. The ski mask was next, and he rolled it around his head, so that when the time was right, he could pull it down over his face with ease. He then retrieved the dirty pistol that rested inside. Without serial numbers, it was untraceable. He screwed on the silencer and then parked the corner before exiting and walking casually up the block. It was a quiet neighborhood, but he was still cautious, holding his head low.
1: Was he though? I'm sorry, I had to interrupt because didn't he take his own fucking vehicle there?
0: He did take his own Don't fucking they vehicle. they have
1: cameras that they can track through, like the traffic cameras to see? I mean
0: we just watched a movie called Missing y'all first of all y'all should go see it before it's no longer in the theaters cause Nia Long and Storm Reed do an excellent job but there's fucking cameras everywhere my nigga (laughs) like you wouldn't even think of some of the cameras that are out there right now so yeah this nigga doing himself stupid and also does he always put a new untraceable serial numberless gun into the compartment
1: I mean he said that it was it said it was a dirty gun, so I'm pretty sure, yeah, he he kept it on deck. Like, that was how he rolled. But it, at least in Messiah's defense, like, at least he had a stolen vehicle that he rolled up in.
0: Mm-hmm. It's like getting an Uber. Like I said, getting an Uber, going up, shooting dude in the face, getting back into the Uber... Asking them, hey man, can you stop at Carl's Jr. real quick? Getting a superstar with no lettuce. Very important. Asking the driver if he wants something. Blood dripping all over you. Saying I got six more stops. Hopping out of each one of those stops and killing somebody. Your driver's Jamie Foxx. You're Tom Cruise. You're like, what the fuck is going on? Tom Cruise is like, calm down, man. The last person I got to kill is the girl that you've been trying to talk to all day. It's a great movie. Y'all should see it.
1: But I'm pretty sure he has someone in the uh, police department
0: on the payroll. Oh, I'm certain.
1: So,
0: anyway. Ethic had an entire city of young wolves, including Messiah, that could have handled this for him. But he tried his hardest not to glorify what must be done. There was no glory in murder. There was no honor in it. It blackened his soul and came back to haunt his life so drastically that the only woman who loved him was a bitch named Karma. What? What What the fuck does that mean, Kobe Bryant? Like, <sighs> he doesn't want Messiah to do as he had done. He wanted Messiah and the other young men he saw every day, the ones who saluted him, the ones who respected him, and the ones that saw him as a street legend, to do the opposite of what he had done. Nigga, you just said Messiah had bodies on him. It's too late. He wanted them to tap into their royal blood and excel, to take over the city with their minds instead of diluting their worth by playing up to the stereotypes that have been placed on them. Nigga, he's a drug dealer. He's already in the stereotype. So are you. Black boys were more than hustlers, ball players, and rappers. He had fallen into that brainwashed trap and sure, it had made him rich. But at the same time, It had made him poor. His morality and mentality had been for sale, just like his ancestors that had been shackled before him. The only difference was, Ethic had put the mental chains on himself. He was grateful. He was grateful that he had avoided the physical ones. The bars, the steel, the confinement that this game ultimately led to. Nah, ethic wouldn't contribute to the cycle by having broken boys follow his path in the streets. Except Messiah, who's, you know, his right-hand man has been following his path all this fucking time. You know. Also, I'm shocked that in none of these books, in Flint, Michigan that are happening in 2009, 2010, I guess. I'm shocked that ethic does not mention John Carter. Because apparently the nigga was running shit in Flint, Michigan before he went down to Miami. You're writing this universe. Is it Uchi Waller is it One mic? Was this done before the cartel? I don't think it was. He would put in his own work and pray for Messiah and the young niggas behind him to find a better way. At least, they wouldn't get lost under his command. Ethic went up the driveway and rounded the backyard. He pulled the ski mask down, concealing his identity, and then tried the back door. To his surprise, it was unlocked, and he used his shoulder to push it open, slowly, while gripping the gun in his hand, tightly. Stupid, he thought, as he shook his head at Lucas' carelessness. He getting all this money and can't take the time to lock the door? That was a problem with these new niggas. They moved too quickly. Too sloppily. You spelled too wrong. It should be T-O-O. They were too quick to do everything. Snitch. Kill. Steal. This mistake would prove costly. Ethic followed the glow through the kitchen and into the living room where Lucas lay on his side. A thick blanket covering his body and his back facing Ethic. It was almost too easy. Ethic pulled the trigger, firing a full clip into Lucas. The whispers of the silence are barely audible as blood started to spread through the holes in the blanket. I'm just going to say this real quick. I, too, am like, nigga, lock all your doors every night. Go back and double check, triple check. Not because I'm worried about somebody coming to my back door and shooting me or shooting my family or anything like that. But because at some point in time, my wife and I, I read a scary story to her about some neighbors who were just so super friendly. And the people who had just moved into the house were wondering why they were so friendly. And the wife was like, I feel like somebody's watching me every night. So they set up a camera. And it turned out the neighbors, the the, the, the couple would leave their sliding glass door open and just leave the screen door closed and let the breeze come in. And the neighbors would open the screen door every night and walk in and just stand over The couple's bed while they slept. Nigga, no. That's right up on my list of things that I am not going to deal with. Right alongside me opening up the garage one morning to go to work. And there's a dude with a deranged grin on his face and a knife. And while he has a deranged grin on his face, he comes over and stabs me to death. While grinning. Yeah, ponder on that and then lock your fucking doors at night. Ethic walked over to Lucas and reached down to turn him on his back to deliver a final headshot for good measure. He reached for Lucas' shoulder and flipped him on his back, but pulled back in horror when he saw the little girl tucked in the grooves beneath Lucas. She was struggling for air to breathe as Ethic saw the two bullets that had penetrated her chest. How many times did he shoot? He fired a full clip. Okay. Lucas had been sleeping with a little girl in his arms. She had been hidden by the cover when Ethic had fired. Well, you better put one in her forehead and dip out. No, he whispered. No, no, no. Or, you know, you could fucking adopt her, I guess. I don't know. But the easier way would be to just put one in her forehead. Because we've learned that leaving people behind in this... Author's world is never a good idea. Chop a nigga's dick off, shoot him in the face. These are rules. There's rules to these games. But y'all don't be killing people. And they come back and they kill you. He pushed Lucas out of the way, unaffected by his dead body as they hit the floor. But the little girl lying there, bleeding out, splintered him. Help me, Dom. I'm bleeding out, Dom. Gears of War. Not God of War. Great game, though. Ragnarok just finished it. He knew he should be making his exit, but he couldn't leave her there dying senselessly. Children were supposed to be off limits. I didn't see her, he thought. He scooped the little girl in his arms, but as he looked in her face, all he saw was Bella. At any moment, his past come around full circle and affect any of his children. It was a sad truth, and the last thing he wanted was for this child to pay for Lucas's death. You better call an Uber and just have her on the sidewalk. Lucas's death wasn't worth the collateral damage that had been done. Nothing was worth the life of someone so young. She's a baby, he thought, his heart shattering at the sight of what he had just done. That was the thing about triggers; they couldn't be unpulled. Fuck! He shouted. His phone was in the car. He turned left and then right, searching for a house phone. Cause he's wearing gloves, so you know he could dial up. The little girl choked as blood flooded her mouth. The fear in her eyes caused turmoil to erupt inside of him. Ethic wasn't built for this. Not anymore. Life had matured him. His children had sown him aside of himself that he never knew he had. He was what? no longer... I'm sorry. Oh no.
1: That makes absolutely no sense. Like, so he went in there and he was built for it and then he got in there and was like, oh, this ain't the life for me? What? Yes. That is so stupid. And I don't care. Like, he is getting on Messiah in the car, but then you get in there and you don't do any surveillance. You just go in there and you see this dude. Like, you don't check anything else out about the house. You see him on the couch and you think that's it. That's good. Like, what? That makes no sense. I just, I don't understand it.
0: I feel you. And they, they literally said that there was a broken blind in the front that he could have looked through and saw what was going on. Yeah,
1: that's so stupid. I'm sorry. I interrupted.
0: You're good. you good. This will stay in his conscience until the day he died. Ethic placed her on the couch as he frantically dug through Lucas's pockets to find a cell phone. He had no remorse for the body on the floor, but this little girl, losing her life by the second, was torment to his soul. He finally found it and dialed 911, not caring that he was sacrificing himself to save this child. My wife has told me a couple times don't, don't, don't do nothing stupid where you can't come home to us. And it ain't like your kids got a mom. So you're going to sacrifice yourself for a kid that's going to die because you didn't do surveillance. I mean, charge to the game. Start a start a fucking scholarship in her name. You don't even got to know her name. Just call her Lucas's daughter. That's the foundation. But nope. He kept envisioning his children in the crossfires of war, bleeding out because of some mistake he made, and it burned his eyes with emotion. This was it. This was a deed that would put him under the jail, and as the little girl died in front of him, he thought, I deserved it. Hang up, nigga. This was the part of the game he didn't like. Innocent people got hurt. Nigga, you sell drugs in the community. Innocent people get hurt all the time. They get hooked on your drugs. I know that you know the drug dealers give out the free testers to get people in there. You know how I know that you know that? Because you literally wrote it for Breeze and the cartel. Literally pumped her full of heroin and got her hooked. And then when it was no longer convenient, she was suddenly just no longer a junkie. But neither here nor there. They were to the circumstance, and ethic was to blame for this young life lost. The sound of someone entering behind him caused him to turn, gun pointed, and he aimed at an old woman who held nothing but fear in her eyes. Surveillance. So was the old woman watching his daughter while he went out and sexually assaulted Morgan? Anyhow, Ethic froze and so did she, as they both waited for the other to make a move. They stared at one another, the seconds seemed like hours, they sized each other up. The old Ethic would have popped her, laying her down right where she stood, but enough blood had been shed. The night was already tragic enough. He didn't need the life of an old woman on his soul. You get out of here, the old woman spoke. Finally, mustering all her courage as she held up a black purse as if it could provide some sort of defense. What did you do? She screamed as she ran to the little girl on the ground, her fear taking a backseat to her concern. You better shoot her. Ethic backpedaled out of the house, jumping the fence in the backyard to make it to the next block. Snatching off the ski mask, he walked briskly back around to his truck and pulled away into the night. So... Let's just make sure we got this straight before I move on to the next chapter. The woman pulls up, old woman, enters the house behind him. She sees the truck in the fucking front of the house or whatever car he drove. Walks inside. Somebody has killed her probably son and granddaughter. Leaves her alive to tell the tale. and she going to tell the tale? Old people call cops. Knows what your car looks like. Luckily, you didn't talk, though. Chapter 5 The pit that filled Morgan's stomach was so vast that she felt like it would suck her inside out. Like a black hole, she felt something pulling at her. She was sick as she sat on the stairway that led to the second floor and watched the foyer, counting every second since Messiah had gone. Please let him be okay, she thought. She was full of remorse, and wound so tightly that when she saw the lock turn on the front door, she jumped out of her skin. She was on her feet running to the door and as he came through it, she wrapped her arms around him, hugging him as she cried. He could barely keep his balance as she clung to him like a second skin, cupping his face in her hands and kissing his lips repeatedly. Messiah wanted to push her away. He knew that he should resist her. But the smell of her. The desperation emanating off her. It all magnetized him to her. Nigga, she just got sexually assaulted. Twice. In the same fucking night. You took her home. You bathed her. You put her in bed. And then you left. It ain't like time has passed, my nigga. It's been like maybe an hour because then she called ethic who told you to go to fuck home so you came back home and now she's jumping all up on you and you ain't like yo ma ma shouldn't we get you to a hospital a pediatrician what what Shouldn't we get you to a pediatrician somewhere? Do you need some children's Tylenol? Like, uh. fuck it, he thought his lips parted and he kissed her hungrily, stumbling backwards, pinning her to the wall as she caressed his face and his tongue took over her mouth. The kiss was soul stirring. Partly because Messiah never put his mouth on any woman. He didn't kiss. He didn't want to connect to anyone so personally. He didn't even lay a woman on her back when they sexed. Women were faceless to him. Especially the type that chased him. They all wanted one thing. Money. And he wanted one thing. Pussy. It was a transaction. And kisses weren't accepted. Until now. This ain't right, he whispered, as he clenched his eyes shut and rested his forehead against hers. She was so young, so inexperienced. She was an Atkins girl. Everything rushing through his mind told him he was out of bounds, but that weak feeling, that ache in his chest, told him he was still going to play. She ignored him as she thought, nothing has ever been this right. Psychologically, I I would think that there would be some sort of ramification to her being sexually assaulted. Physically, I would think there would be some sort of a ramification to her being physically assaulted. Since they said both were done without any sort of lubrication on her part or their part. Which means that there's probably vaginal bleeding and anal bleeding. There's likely some sort of, you know, residual damage that's been done. But yeah, no, let's have sex. You know, you get sexually assaulted. What's that to a book writer? Let's have the sex. Morgan and Messiah sitting in a tree. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. First comes love. Then comes marriage. Then comes a curfew because she's only 18. Like, nigga, she literally just turned 18. That's also nasty. She just turned 18 that night. They waited that long. Nigga, it's like Miley Cyrus. Oh, you, you, y'all, y'all must be like my wife and don't remember when little Wayne was talking about Miley Cyrus when she was like fucking 17 and Mary Kate Nashley and how they were waiting for them to turn 18. Oh, my bad. Just me. Cool. Messiah rubbed his goatee as he took a step back. You know how we know he's 25 and not 18 because he has a fucking goatee. He was in deep contemplation, stuck somewhere between a love for a girl and loyalty to Ethic. We can't do this until I talk to Ethic, Messiah said. I want to do this, but I won't disrespect him. I can't. It's going against all the rules. She nodded, and he pulled her close, kissing the tip of her nose as he pulled on her long braids, causing her to crane her neck backwards as his rough hands gripped her fragile neck. He kissed her again on the neck, and she lowered her gaze to look him in his eyes. We can't do this, but we can go to third base. This was a feeling that she was supposed to feel when she invited a man to explore her. She was positive now that Lucas had raped her. He had taken liberties over her body that she hadn't granted. This chemistry, this message, this silent permission that she was giving the Messiah was unmistakable. Lucas had taken her virginity and it saddened her. Because now she couldn't give it to Messiah. Go fuck yourself, Riders. Like, oh, ugh. Go upstairs and rest. You've been through enough today. Your head is all over the place. What feels right might not be right. If it's meant for us to fuck with each other, then it'll be. In the morning, I'll take you home, Messiah said. His lips were so beautiful to watch and she was briefly grateful that she couldn't hear because if she didn't have to look at them she wondered if she would notice him at all. They were full and dark as if he had smoked a hundred blunts. Nothing? You must be deep into your class right now. Because the woman said that his lips were full and dark As if he had smoked a hundred blunts. Why is that sentence in the book? Why isn't that sentence in the book? Like,
1: who wants some? I mean, I get the type of lips that they're talking about, but that's not.
0: Attractive? No, not to me. Like he had smoked a hundred blunts. She wondered how many women he had given the honor of tasting his lips, and a twinge of irrational jealousy ran through her. The way he bit his bottom lip and then licked him made her swoon as she sighed deeply while acknowledging his words. She walked away, looking back at him coyly before disappearing up the stairs. Messiah was going against everything he stood for money over women. He had never thought twice about a female. They were good company at night, but none of the many he had sampled had ever brought him back for seconds. He hadn't even touched Morgan, and already he was ready to body niggas over her. That type of affection was scary, it was crazy, and dangerous, it was irrational, but still he felt it. It was forbidden, but he knew he was still going to pursue her. He pulled out his phone and sent the text to Ethic. If he was going to do this, he had to face his mentor man-to-man. Man. It was only right. Yes, man-to-man man because he's not a fucking teenager. He only hoped Morgan was worth it. She probably wears onesies. <laughs> Darkness encompassed ethic as he stepped into his home. The beat from his alarm system sounded lightly, causing a sleeping Dolce to stir on the couch. What the fuck is she doing there? Why do we keep talking about the women we don't fuck with and they're still in your house sleeping on the couch like a fucking dog? It's late. Is everything okay? You called me over here and then you rushed out with that explanation. I thought he was calling Lily. That's what the, book said. the book said he was calling Lily like. Was she not available? He she was over. She was available because he said it was going to be overtime. So instead of having her do overtime, you had this woman come over and babysit for free?
1: Hmm.
0: Nah, maybe she's going to be his alibi. How is she an alibi? She, she woke up when he walked in. She stood and walked over to him. His silhouette illuminated slightly by the light that filtered inside from the porch. She touched him, but pulled back when she felt something wet. What is this? She asked. She pulled her hands back and reached for the light switch. The gloom he wore on his face and the blood on his jacket were evident in his wrongdoings. Are you bleeding? It's not mine, he admitted. Where are my kids, he asked, suddenly feeling a sense of urgency to make sure they're okay. They're upstairs, sleeping. They're fine, Dolce reassured as she frowned. What happened? No questions, he answered, his voice dark. Sadness lived in his eyes. Regret, anger, paranoia. It all reflected in his gaze as he looked at her. He had blood on his hands, and although he had killed before, he had never carried the guilt of a child's murder. He pulled off his clothes, unable to keep them on his body any longer. The stained hoodie felt like it was hot to the touch, as if it was the one act that had given the devil ownership of his soul. What? The stained hoodie felt like it was hot to the touch, as if it was the one act ...that had given the devil ownership of his soul. I don't get it. He stalked up the stairs. Also, want to point out... ...that in this book, so far... ...once again, the ladies are nothing more than... ...paradigms... ...of something... ...for the men. Whether it is a paradigm of patience... ...and Dolce and watching another man's kids... ...while he goes out and kills people... And patience and not freaking the fuck out when she touches blood and finds out it's somebody else and finds out this nigga done murdered somebody. Or a paradigm of unrequited, unending, unceasing, unfathomable love that young Morgan has for Messiah. One or the other. He peeled out of his jeans and stepped right into the shower, turning the handle all the way too hot to scowl the guilt away. She didn't say scowl, she said scold. He placed both hands on the wall in front of him and lowered his head as he watched the water swirl around the drain at his feet. He was spiraling. His life was like a tunnel, and the only light he saw at the end was the flames away to burn him for the mistakes he had made. His chest felt as if it had caved in, and he remembered the last time death had put this crippling feeling on him. It was the day he lost his mother. He was seven years old when she was murdered and he had felt the same thing then, that he felt this day, devastation, utter loss. He felt Dolce's hands wrap around his body and he cringed. She just wanted to be close to him. He just wanted to cast her away, but he turned around, water rinsing over him, falling into his eyes and on his face as he breathed deeply, his frustrations mounting. What the fuck do you want from me, he asked her. He saw confusion in her eyes and shock fill her face. She don't even know, he thought. He often pondered about the motives of women. They'd always been superficial creatures. Before he had been trapped in a burning car years ago, ladies had wanted him for his looks. Afterwards, some sought him for his money. Others wanted to be that special one that he claimed. They wanted the power and the glory that came with being his. Cause you know, there's no actual good women in this world except for his kids. Niche is no good. Like none of them are good. Dolce had been in the ring, fighting for the spot for a long time. But deep down, he knew she was just more of the same. She wanted the title, nothing more. And if ethic ever fell off, he knew she would flee. Her attraction was superficial and suddenly he wanted to punish her for it. He flipped her around and pulled at her hips, so she was standing on her tiptoes and there was a slight arch in her back. Take it out on me, she whispered in a throaty gasp as he entered her. She was there. She wanted to be fucked, so Ethic was going to pour his aggression, his anger into her. He was strong, wide, and hard as he dug into her, all raw passion, no finesse. He wasn't gentle. In fact, he was more than she could handle, his back shots causing her to bite down on her bottom lip. She took it because she knew he needed it, like I said, a paradigm, a paragon, and it felt so miserably good. The mix of pain and pleasure that caused her to cry out when he hit the deepest parts of her was like nothing she had ever felt. She tried to run. So all of these things were just said, and then she tried to run. Take it, he whispered. His voice almost pleading with her, begging her to take the remorse off his hands, as if he could transfer his fault to her through this act. It was non-transferable. The pain was his to bear. Only he was liable for what had occurred tonight, and he couldn't fuck his burdens away. I can't fuck you away. From the back hitting skin I tried it, couldn't win I can't fuck this away on your back laid my sperm, walked away it's my turn to feel badly because I killed somebody and I didn't do the surveillance look through the front blinds. I'ma say it again. It's all my fault. Because I didn't kill the old woman that was looking at me and I was telling me, you're going to get up out of here when I had the chance. Yeah, That's Justin Timberlake. Anyhow, he withdrew from her, growling in masculinity. <sighs> As he spilled his seeds, mixing it in the stream of water and washing his beautiful black babies down the drain of Dolce's dismay. Turns out this nigga's right. She had been trying to get Ethic to slip for years, knowing that he was the type of man that would never walk away from a woman who gave him children. Her attempts at entrapment were to no avail. He was always cautious, even when his mind was somewhere else. Well, I mean, he's fucking you, raw dog. And pre still has sperm in it. So... He washed his body and stepped out of the shower, wrapping a towel around his waist. I mean, I don't know what ladies find out about in sex ed back in the 80s and 90s, but we found that out. Early and often. You know you can talk to me, right? About whatever happened? About whatever's hurting you? Dolce said as she turned off the water. Talking about real shit has never been our thing. Why can't you just leave us where we are instead of trying to force us to a place where it's uncomfortable? Ethics said in frustration he walked into the room and she was right on his heels uncomfortable for whom dolce challenged. for you because this she pointed between them this shit here is what makes me uncomfortable i've been available to you for years and when you brought that bitch raving up in here damn that's violence that's oncoming or she gonna get thrown out who picked you up when you were drowning after she died? Then you go out to New York to take care of some new bitch. Leave me here. Just drop him what we have. I don't owe you any explanations. We're friends who fuck at times, Ethic replied. He knew it was a bit harsh. Normally he would spare her feelings, but she was picking on the wrong night. And that's it? After all this time? That's all I am? A friend to you? Did, did she not get the notes? Did she not, like, we all knew that. Did she not get the, did you not get the, 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 the memo? Did you not get the memo about the TPS reports? We now print a cover letter. Have you seen uh, that dude's swim stapler? It's red. Did you not get the memo? He didn't answer her as he slid into a pair of gray jogging pants, allowing them the. <laughs> here we go again as he slid into a pair of gray jogging pants allowing them to hang low on his waist exposing the deep V cuts that led to his girth even after sex he hung noticeably in the sweatpants the print of thickness pronounced and distracting as Dolce yelled at him he had checked out of the conversation he didn't argue the yelling and screaming he wasn't beat for it I never made you no promises ma Dolce scoffed you selfish arrogant motherfucker she said as she snatched up her clothes and put them on quickly next time you think to call me to come watch your kids or cook a meal or to suck your dick don't he watched her storm out and sat down at the foot of his king sized bed he had so many things to deal with the remedying Dolce's hurt feelings was simply not a priority she didn't get the memo that's it. I mean, we all got it. New employee memo. He don't fuck with Dolce. She didn't get the memo. 916-633-1537. Wretched and Wretched at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Wretched Book Club on Facebook. You can leave a review on Spotify. It takes like 13 seconds. You can also leave a review on uh, Podchaser. Copy and paste that in the Apple Podcasts. And then copy and paste that into the Good Pods app. You can donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast. One dollar will get you a ton of content. Uh, you can also donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast or on the Good Pods app. You can leave a tip in the tip jar. Thank you so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'ma you later. Peace.